This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome, I'm Lyle Shelton. If the yes vote for the permanent race-based voice to government goes down, this will have been the week where the yes campaign climbed into their own coffin and nailed the lid shut. It was already implicit in their manipulative do the right thing messaging, but they are now no longer disguising their contempt for us. If we succeed, big if, I think high on the agenda of the regional and national voice uh, priorities should be anti-racism strategies. This country needs anti-racism strategies. Well, that was Marcia Langton, co-author of the idea to change the constitution to insert a permanent race-based arm of government. She thinks Australians are so racist that a constitutionally enshrined Aboriginal-only voice is needed to police racism in this country. Several recent videos of her calling Australians racists emerged this week. Now, I'm not gonna show them all here today. What you've just seen is pretty typical of the sort of thing she's been saying about her fellow countrymen and women. Now, suffice to say, this is a terrible slur and insult to the people of our nation. Australians are probably the least racist people on the planet. It's an insult to the millions of African, Indian, and Asian migrants who now call Australia home along with people of British and European ancestry, and of course, along with our Indigenous brothers and sisters. With four weeks to go and a $100 million war chest about to be unleashed by the Yes campaign, this voice debate is far from over. No one should be complacent. But it is now clear that the elites running the Yes campaign, it's now clear what they think of their fellow Australians. And it's not pretty, as you've just seen. This is the same radical left that gave us same-sex marriage back in 2017 using the same manipulative tactics. Back then, if you didn't support the so-called marriage equality, you were a homophobe and a bad person. Fast forward to today, if you don't support The Voice, you are a racist and a bad person who is not doing the right thing. 
Australians have wised up to the radical left and their tactics. They've seen the consequences of degendering marriage as children and toddlers have had rainbow ideology force fed at schools and through drag queen storytime events at public libraries. Emboldened by their win in the 2017 marriage plebiscite, the radical left thought Australians were leaning their way and that the voice referendum would be a pushover. Every conservative-minded person needs to run the voice race right to the finish line on October 14. We must not take our foot off the accelerator. Go to Fair Australia's website and sign up to be a volunteer, fairaustralia.com.au. We must win this. This is far bigger than the voice referendum. The voice is just a Trojan horse for the radical left's identity politics, which we are where we're divided by oppressor-victim classes. It is Marxist critical race theory on steroids, pure and simple, and it is toxic. A win for The Voice will put the radical left on the back foot for the first time since the demise of the Howard government in 2007. We must now press home the advantage. After October 14, our work is only just beginning. Now, I have to talk about Jacinta Nampajipa Price, the hero of the No campaign and our woke elite's worst nightmare. Four years ago, before she was famous, I went and heard her speak at the Princess Theatre in Brisbane. What I'm about to tell you are the things I learned that night and I wrote them down at the time in a blog post. Nampajipa Price's maternal grandparents were adolescents when they first saw white people. Despite being among the last of the nomads of Central Australia, they refused to see themselves as victims and taught Jacinta the same. Her mother Bess, who became a country Liberal Party member of the Northern Territory Parliament, was to be the second wife of her sister's husband in an arranged marriage under Aboriginal culture. She refused, climbed a tree, and was eventually allowed to marry for love. Price grew up in the Top End and now lives in Alice Springs, where she became a town councillor, deputy mayor, and represents the Northern Territory in the Australian Senate. Not all of her people appreciate her advocacy. Her crime is that she does not toe the political collect. She does not toe the politically correct lines of indigenous of the indigenous industry. She calls out abuses in Aboriginal culture, particularly the abuse of women and girls, and she does not believe welcome to country ceremonies are necessary because most tribes never practice them. Her voice is unique because unlike most Indigenous voices we hear on the ABC, she doesn't believe an Indigenous voice to Parliament is necessary and calls on her people to take personal responsibility for the dysfunction that is racking their communities. She doesn't blame colonial Australia, Captain Cook, white privilege or the Australian government for the ills of her people. I was never hindered because I am Indigenous. In fact, many opportunities came my way because I was Indigenous, she said. Her views, uh, not to, uh, her views should not be mistaken for indifference to Indigenous suffering. She cares more than most and has seen firsthand the alcohol and drug-fueled violence against and sexual, sexual abuse of Indigenous women. She has seen too many people uh, of her of her people, of her family, poison themselves to death from alcohol consumption. Her description of the murder of an Indigenous woman in Alice Springs, in an Alice Springs town camp, was harrowing. Because drunks often attacked ambulance officers, first aid was not rendered to this woman. The woman drowned in her own blood. The man who did it was sentenced to just nine years 
and is now out of prison. This was typical of the stories she told that night four years ago. Jacinta Price uh, rattled off several other heartbreaking stories of family dysfunction and violence. We don't have a Me Too movement for Aboriginal women, she lamented. Violence and violence against women, she said, has always been part of Aboriginal culture in the same way it has been permissible and is making a resurgence, sadly, in white culture. Lenient sentences were only making violence against women worse because men knew they would only get a slap on the wrist. Listen to these words spoken by Price four years ago before she got into Parliament. The greatest reason Aboriginal men are incarcerated is because of violent acts against loved ones. Incarceration does deter crime. High recidivism comes from shorter sentences. If we want to see rates of incarceration drop, we have to tackle family and, family and the family violence epidemic." End quote. She described how traditional Aboriginal culture stipulated that men cut themselves upon the death of a clan member and then fill the wound with ash to accentuate the scar. In a similar way, women were expected to bash their head with a rock until blood gushed, also in respect for the dead. Quote, we have decided there are some aspects of our culture that don't work for us anymore, end quote, she said back that night in 2019. She is clearly proud of the many positive aspects of Aboriginal culture, but says it is time to stop romanticising all of it. Polygamy was co a common practice and arranged marriages still occur. I speak out against these practices because they deny the rights of young women, Jacinta Price said. Her grandfather narrowly missed being killed in the last sanctioned frontier massacre of Aboriginals, the Coniston Massacre in 1928, when around 100 blacks were killed by whites. In 1942, her grandfather and some of his kinsmen were rounded up because they were spearing goats, and they were made to work for the army as part of the war effort. They were paid five shillings per week in comparison with the white workers who were paid five pounds per week. The discrimination did not worry her grandfather. Quote, he and his kinsmen felt like they had been part of nation building, end quote, Price said. Her grandfather would move in and out of white and black society, coming in for periods of employment and then going back on country. At the point where Price explained why she doesn't engage with welcome to country, yelling, screaming, swearing emanated from the balcony of the Princess Theatre. A man, whiter than me, was gesticulating and yelling at Price for several minutes. Now, in a dignified manner, she left the stage while security and police took about 10 minutes to restore order. Yet again, we were watching how the left does debate. Well, actually, it doesn't do debate. It just tries to silence those with whom it disagrees. Now, finally, Jacinta Nampajimpa Price returned to the stage, clearly unaffected by the violent verbal attacks on her. Bullies will be bullies, and I won't be bullied. My grandparents taught me never to be anyone's victim, she said. Price finished her talk on her uh, by talking about her pathways out of despair. And these are forgiveness will lead to reconciliation, education as a priority, but not driven by ideology. She was scathing of the gender fluid crap, as she put it. No more romanticizing culture, 
take responsibility, uphold the human rights of women and children. We all are humans. Real equality means black and white being part of the same fabric of the nation. Uh, now, this was four years ago, um, and this explains why she's so against a race-based voice to parliament that entrenches this victim mindset in Indigenous people. Price made it clear that night that she supports recognition of Indigenous people in the constitution, something we all do, but not the proposed voice to parliament. There is a lot of goodwill from the wider Australian population towards Indigenous people. They just want to do things in more practical terms, she said. Price believes the key to Indigenous reconciliation with white Australia is forgiveness. She said plenty of white people came to Australia as convicts dispossessed of their land during the colonial period. Most people were getting a rough time in those days. We've had sorry day, let's have forgiveness day, she said. Now, after speaking for more than an hour and a half, the full theatre of quiet Australians rose to their feet and gave her a rousing standing ovation. Three years later, she was elected to the parliament. Cometh the hour, came the woman. Where would we have been without her? Now, while some of Australia's mainline church leaders have come out in support of The Voice, the Presbyterian Church of Australia is leaving it up to individual members to make up their own minds. But at a recent General Assembly of Australia, leaders of the Presbyterian Church expressed concern with the growing trend to incorporate aspects of Aboriginal spirituality into Australian life and even into churches. Reverend Mark Powell is the Senior Minister at Cornerstone Presbyterian Church in Hobart. He has been a regular contributor to The Spectator Australia and is one of Australia's finest conservative thinkers. He joins me now, not as a spokesman for the church, but as someone who can make some informed observations about recent decisions that have been made by the Presbyterian Church in Australia, which I think are quite interesting. Mark, welcome to the program. It's great to have you on. Yeah, thanks, Lyle. Great to be with you. Mark, um, as I read the, the resolutions of your church's recent General Assembly, it seems to me that you guys have found a balance between respecting Indigenous people, but also rejecting aspects of the culture that do not line up with the Christian worldview. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Lyle, you know, as a Christian yourself, you'll know that uh, one of the things we're most passionate about is reconciliation. Yeah. And really, the Bible presents a cross-shaped reconciliation message. And what I mean by that is it's both vertical and also horizontal. It's vertical in that it reconciles us to God through the death and resurrection of Jesus. But that uh, would that's how we would say it, also reconciles us horizontal one another. So you get this great statement in Galatians 3.28 that in Christ Jesus there is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female, we're all one in Christ Jesus. And the problem with these Indigenous protocols is that they divide us. And um, so that was a large part of what the General Assembly of Australia had to say. Um, it really came down to two big things. Firstly, that it was tokenistic. Um, yeah. It wasn't really achieving anything. In fact, um, one person I was talking to said, you know, if you really do believe you're on Aboriginal land and you really are, you, you really do believe you're, you're in possession of stolen property, then as a Christian, biblically, you're required to give it back. You need to stop virtue signalling, right? If you really believe that, then give it back. But more significantly than that, Lyle, is the whole idea of syncretism. Yeah. And so for us as Christians, we want to come together, 
particularly each, each Sunday, each Lord's Day, and we want to worship Christ. Mm. Anything that gets in the way of worshiping Christ is inappropriate. No, well, th- this is the point, and um, you know, there's so much confusion amongst Christians uh, because of a, a, a desire from compassion to um, respect other cultures, but all of us are members of the human race, and th- there are some things which transcend yep. cultures, and I guess that's what um, those of us who are Christians believe. Uh, we take, uh, you know, we can look at the positives in a culture, but in any culture, whether it's white culture or European culture or indigenous culture, if there's things that don't line up with um, the Bible and uh, Christ's teachings, that's where we discard things, and that's where we want to avoid the things like syncretism, as you say. Yeah, look, absolutely. And and like you say, Lyle, and this is a really important thing, particularly for us as Christians, is that there is only one race. It's those yeah. that have been made in the image of God. Whether you're black, red, yellow, white, it doesn't matter. Um, the Bible says in Acts 17, and this is what the assembly affirmed, that through one man, Adam, God made the entire human race. Now, any form of, like, separation is racism. Yep. Uh, it's, it's, it's fundamentally um, unbiblical because it denies our creation, but it also denies our redemption. Christ came to redeem us, to bring us back together as one family under God. Yeah, and that's why um, Judaism before and and then Christianity built upon this idea that we are all one. We are descended from one original human uh, that that God created, and our people can have their views on that. But it's very much the Judeo-Christian ethic that um, broke down this idea of of uh, superiority of races. But um, the, the other interesting thing that your General Assembly affirmed was the, the creation. So a Christian worldview is that the world is God's creation. Therefore, ownership of the land isn't necessarily vested uh, in one particular race uh, or another. And, and, and I guess that goes to the whole welcome to country uh, issue. You guys have made some comments about the appropriateness or otherwise of welcome to country. Yeah, this is a really important point, Lyle, Um, because you see in the Uluru Statement from the Heart, for instance, and this is associated with this, is this idea, and it's in italics, by the way, if you read the Uluru Statement from the Heart, so they're wanting to emphasise this themselves, is it's made explicit that there is spiritual sovereignty that has never been ceded. Yes. Now, that's unbiblical, right, because Psalm 24 verse 1 says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. God is the sovereign, and he entrusts it to people as stewards. And so for any group of people to say that they are the eternal custodians of the land, not only is it pantheism, right, um, but it also is is giving yourself the right which only God himself has. God is the sovereign. God entrusts the land and its, and its care um, to people, and he can take it away. Um, so there is no eternal connection to the land. Actually, as Christians, that's something we exhort each other to repent of, yep. to turn away from. We don't worship the land. We don't find our identity in country. We find our identity in Christ. Exactly. And and that's very much this pantheist uh, pagan religion, if I can use that. People will be upset at me using the term pagan to describe Aboriginal spirituality, but it's the same as, you know, pre-Christian European spirituality as well. Uh, we've all had to come to a knowledge of the, the one true God and and uh, our Western civilization has been founded. Um, well, not just the West, but, but much of the East as well has embraced Christianity, and which transcends 
all cultures. Um, the, 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 the Uluru Statement from the Heart also mentions Makarata, and um, this is this whole controversy over treaty. Now, Makarata, of course, as we've been learning, is a, is a Yolongu word, which means retribution or payback, a spear through the thigh. Now, this is a million yep. miles away from the Christian idea of forgiveness. And um, this is what really disturbs yep. me about the whole voice debate. There is no room for forgiveness. It's about retribution. It's about payback. Oh, look, 100%. And for people to say that Makarata, which is really an Aboriginal form of ritualised revenge, yeah. right, it, you're, you're completely right, Lyle. It's, I've looked into this. I, I have an anthropology background, mm. and um, so I've read a lot on this. To, to say that that's the same as the Christian gospel is disingenuous at best, right? Ritualised revenge and Christian reconciliation are diametrically opposed. Makarata means literally to spear somebody in the, in the leg so that they can't hunt again. That's wow. retaliation, yeah. right? Um, what the Christian gospel says is God has taken our punishment upon himself and so provided for us forgiveness so that we can flourish. The two things are diametrically opposed. Yeah. Now, look, that's really helpful, uh, Mark, and I didn't realise you had that anthropology background. No wonder you're so um, so good on this issue. Um, it's, it's interesting to me, though, that, you know, we would want to... Um, you know, we're about to, on October 14, vote to entrench these sort of ideas into the Constitution. Now, this is not about asserting, you know, white culture as superior over Indigenous culture, um, because, you know, you and I would be the first to say it's not about your or my preferred culture, be we from a European background or, or, or whatever. It's about uh, Christian culture, and that's the universal culture for all of uh, humankind. Oh, absolutely, Lyle. And that's the beauty of the Commonwealth. Yeah. It's common. We share in the wealth together. That's what unites us. And that's why people like Jacinda Nambajinka Price are so, uh, they're, they're so on the money, right? Mm. Because they're saying, why would you divide Australia by race? Uh, that's racist, yep. right? The, the beauty is there's about 3% of the population which is Indigenous, um, 5% of our parliament, our federal parliament, is currently yeah. made up of Indigenous politicians. Yeah, in some ways you could say, well, maybe they're overrepresented. But that's the beauty of democracy. That's great. Uh, absolutely. But can I just back up hmm. just one thing to say? I, I've, I've spent the last four years investigating, reading everything I can academically on Aboriginal culture, welcome to country and acknowledgement of country. And it's important for listeners to see two things. They're actually... Um, the welcome to country, right, probably in its in its modern iteration goes back to Richard Wally and Ernie Dingo in the mm. 1970s, right? It's a very recent invention, but even they saw it as protection from evil spirits. Now, that should ring alarm bells in people's minds. Already, Lyle, at the moment, our federal parliament is opened each year with a smoking ceremony. A smoking ceremony is to cleanse from evil spirits. As Christians, we think only Christ can do that. But I, I've been investigating this. This is one of the books, you know, I've found. Yep. It's a brilliant two-volume mm. work mm. On, on an ethnographic um, survey of, of the Arunta Stone Age people in the Northern Territory. And I, I looked back into the Aboriginal history, and what you found is when people moved from one region or country to another region, they would have this formal process of being accepted so that they could gain safe spiritual passage yep. into that region. 
And then as they did that, they would be given a ceremonial wife to have while in country. That was sort of yeah. generally speaking the, the historic passage. But also when you acknowledge elders past, present and notice emerging, yeah. what you're doing is it's not just like Anzac Day. You're not just remembering those that have died in the past. You're entering into the dreaming. You're mm. entering into the one. So it's a little bit like a, uh, a lot of Asian people will understand this. It's like ancestor worship. Yeah. You're entering into what the present that the past, the present, and the future is all coming together in this pantheistic one. Uh, and that's why as, as Christians, we as as Reformed Christians who believe we should worship God as he says in his word, we said we can't do this. Yep. We can only worship Christ as he tells us to worship him through the Bible. Yeah, look, that's really helpful, Mark. Um, look, more and more I see even Christian events being opened with welcomes to country. I think we've got to rethink all this. Uh, we are participating in syncretism, as you said yep. right at the start. Mark, just before I let you go, um, you wrote a brilliant article in The Spectator online uh, just uh, this past week or so where you responded to the Reverend Tim Costello, man I hold in great regard but don't always agree with. He said uh, in an article that he'd written, quote, I fully accept that voting no in the referendum does not mean that you are a racist. So far, so good. But then he goes on to say, but I'm sure there's not too many racists voting yes. Now, I find that quite offensive because essentially because I'm going to be voting no, Tim Costello is saying that I'm on the side of the racists. Uh, that, that's, that's really the kicker there. Would you agree with that? Oh, 100%. And I think, Lyle, you see the kickback even Marcia Langdon yeah. made a very similar statement just a couple of days ago that people that vote no are, are either or both racist and stupid. Well, oh, okay, what a great unifying um, statement that is to 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 demonise the opposition or to, to the opposition of people taking a different view in a democracy. Um, but part of the problem here, Lyle, is we haven't. The, the, there's been such a lack of leadership from the yeah. prime minister. We haven't had a refer We haven't had a constitutional convention to no. discuss this. We don't know any of the details. Um, we're being treated as mugs, we, you know, we, and we that's, sure that's really bad. Yeah, no, it's terrible leadership. We're treating worse than mugs. We're told we're not doing the right thing if we don't vote yes. And and more and more, certainly implicitly, but now very explicitly through Marcia Langton and, and even, even Tim, we're being told that we're racist. Uh, Reverend Mark Powell, I really appreciate you uh, giving of your time. I know you're a busy man, but uh, thank you for the thought leadership you've put into this debate and for sharing that with us today uh, here on ADH TV. Yeah, no worries. Anytime. Great to be with you. Well, we don't have free speech in this country. So far, it has cost north of $300,000 in my case against two LGBTIQA plus drag queens. I could not have afforded this, but incredibly generous people, most of whom are not wealthy, donated to my legal defence after I was sued. We won. Without these people, their prayers, and the incredible legal team at the Human Rights Law Alliance, I would be in much bigger trouble. I can't thank them enough, I can't repay them, although I think the drag queens should. I went through this uh, past week thinking I was clear of the 30-day appeal window. Surely a three-year legal ordeal culminating in a three-day trial in a tribunal, which included three hours of cross-examination by a senior counsel, was enough. That case ended with a 
uh, page decision by QCAT member Jeremy Gordon dismissing the drag queen's complaint and saying that I had acted in good faith and had not vilified them on the basis of their gender or sexual identity. But on Friday last week, uh, late in the evening, just hours before the deadline, Johnny Valkyrie, a woman who presents to little children as a man, and Dwayne Hill, a man who dresses as a hypersexualized woman in front of little children, filed an appeal. The thought of more years of being dragged through tribunals and courts does not thrill me. The process is definitely the punishment. If politicians would do their job, our flawed anti-free speech, anti-discrimination and anti-vilification laws could be easily reformed. Activists with access to taxpayer-funded LGBTIQA legal services should not be allowed to sue their fellow citizens because of hurt feelings in a bid to shut down discussion on matters of public importance. They should debate, not litigate. But Labor supports these laws along with most Liberals. So we have lost free speech in this nation. The email signature block from the principal lawyer at the LGBTI legal service who lodged the appeal notice last week was a veritable lesson in woke. It contained the mishmash, uh, rainbow, black lives matter, transgender identity politics flag, along with a link to help learn about pronouns, which were in her case, I think her case, she, they, maybe I've just misgendered, who knows. Uh, the country was of course acknowledged in the email signature and below were another two flags, those of the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Australians. I guess with three flags in one signature block, there was simply no room for the flag of the colonisers, aka the Australian national flag. So I'm sitting down to read more legal documents and wonder how many more years this will take. But it's made me more determined to keep doing what I'm doing, building the Family First political party so we can get women and men elected to parliaments who will fight for freedom, who will fight for life and fight for family. The only way to fix this is to fix the law. The only way to fix the law is to get people into the parliament who will fight every day for freedom, for truth. While we've been sleeping and politicians acquiescing, Activists have been using the tools of democracy in the cause of oppression and lies. It's time we started to pick up these same tools. I hope that what is happening to me and so many others, Kiralee Smith, Councillor Louise Elliott, Sal Grover, Dr Gillian Spencer, just to name a few, will serve as a wake-up call. If we don't have free speech, we don't have a democracy and we don't have a free nation. That we have now lost these things will shock many, but it has happened. You might not be interested in politics, but if you hold mainstream views, politics is certainly interested in you. Well, joining me now, as always, on a Friday is Kiralee Smith, the spokeswoman for Binary Australia. Kiralee, uh, you and some brave persecuted women went to Parliament House in Canberra this week. What was your message to the politicians? Addressing the question, why can't women talk about sex? Because all nine of us have faced penalties, sanctions, job loss, uh, or being ostracised uh, in the public space, uh, simply for defending women's sex-based rights. So uh, piggybacking on the back of the New South Wales Parliament event that we did back in June, we took it to Canberra and uh, unfortunately only six senators or uh, members of parliament turned up, uh, but very, very good ones, mind you, who did, who I think, uh, you know, they've 
stood solidly in this space for a long time now and will continue to do so. But um, a very important message that yeah. women have every right to say no in our spaces and that we deserve sex-based rights. And now, Kiralee, I understand some LGBT groups tried to uh, gain entry into the parliamentary theatre or in the, in the public sort of theatre that's there in Parliament House. Um, the Australian Federal Police obviously did a good job keeping them out. There was no disruption to the event. No disruption. Uh, the police were fantastic. The Parliament House security were fantastic. They were actually kept a long way from Parliament House down on mm. the lawn. They had their little mm. rants and raves and social yep. media spats. But um, no, our event was very smooth, very peaceful, and uh, women were allowed to speak, which was very refreshing in this day and age. Yeah, it was brilliant. I tuned in for some of the live feed, which was broadcast on ADHD, ADHTV, uh, this channel that you're watching now. And of course, those speeches are up on the AD. HTV website. I encourage everyone to go and have a look at them. But uh, you mentioned only six senators turned up, or, or um, I presume uh, no one from the House of Reps. Um, and, and I know people well, like one from the House. One from the House of Reps. So you had um, the likes of Alex Antic um, hosting it, uh, terrific champion. I know Jacinta Price uh, spoke there as well. Um, why do you think there's such a lack of interest in this issue? Look, that's a great question and uh, one that, you know, I can only speculate on. But, uh, you know, it's really hard to argue with the truth and the plain facts. And the plain facts are that no one can change their sex. And so, so many of these politicians have been captured by an ideology um, and an ideological viewpoint by a very small minority. And they're being held to ransom, you know, in many ways, I believe. Um, and so, they have no appetite for the truth. They have no appetite to correct the wrongs that Julia Gillard and her government, uh, when they created this mess in the first place by removing protections for sex in the Sex Discrimination Act. Um, you know, they're very uh, just consumed with things that don't matter, to be quite honest. And we see that, you know, whether it's economics, whether it's energy, whether it's the gender issue, um, they're all ranting and raving about things that just don't matter right now. And uh, meanwhile, the rest of us are suffering because of their lack of appetite to do the right thing. Absolutely. All of the nine women, including yourself, are embroiled in some sort of legal action. Uh, that's that's anti-free speech. So you're being dragged through the courts, as we've talked about often on this program. Uh, the others, uh, like Moira Deeming, been turfed out of the Liberal Party, etc. And we could go on and on. People can go to the ADH TV website and have a look at who the women were and refresh themselves there and watch the speeches. But I was intrigued, and I haven't got a, a graphic of this, but um, the Green Senator Janet Rice tweeted that you guys were Nazi associates. Now, I, I just can't believe that these people just keep throwing out the Nazi, Nazi, Nazi slur uh, because they don't want to engage the arguments. Oh, look, it's utterly disgusting and reprehensible. And, you know, our highest elected politicians should not be behaving with baseless, false sm uh, smears that do do a lot of damage. And we see that my redeeming is now taking John Pesuto uh, through the court system uh, for defamation. And Kelly J. Keane has um, also uh, started an action against him and his leadership for those slurs. Mm. We are not Nazis. We are not Nazi sympathisers. We are women who want to simply have the conversation about women's sex-based rights. And Janet Rice is just using inflammatory language to deflect having that conversation. Uh, it, it's it's cruel, it's nasty, it's false, it's based on lies. And uh, it's a really irresponsible thing for one of our senators uh, to do. It, it sure is. It, it's really annoying that the, the mainstream media don't call her out on something as baseless as that. You just can't throw away such defamatory slurs at people. I mean, um, you know, it's probably one of these things that's borderline 
defamatory, but uh, I'll leave that to uh, the legal experts. But I think one of the significant things coming out of the event that you ran there, and I think it's very strategic that that you did it, um, Jacinta Price uh, made a declaration there that uh, she's got plans for when the voice referendum is over as to the next target she's going to go after politically. Tell us about that. Yeah, look, well, and we know Senator Price is one of the busiest politicians in the country right now, and she made time to come along to listen and to share her support and her views, and she did make that declaration that this is a human rights issue and that children are suffering greatly because of this ideology and that we need to engage in child safeguarding and that also Indigenous women are among the most marginalised in this country and, uh, you know, we must stand up for women's rights and child protection. And so uh, Senator Price has uh, committed to making sure that this issue is firmly within her sights once the voice referendum is done. And uh, we've already seen she is an exceptional woman. She's an exceptional politician. She's very articulate. She's very uh, knowledgeable in the things that she says. So we really look forward to her being able to advance uh, the conversation and uh, getting the definitions, the simple definitions of man, male and woman, uh, female back into legislation so that we can all be protected and particularly so that children aren't subjected to these horrific, irreversible medical medicalised pathways that uh, really aren't resolving their issues at all. Well, well, having Senator Price join this fight after the voice referendum is done, I think that's got to be the woke left's worst nightmare. And this is why the voice debate is so important. We mustn't be complacent. We've got to win this on October 14. But uh, look out, we don't stop uh, once that is over. Um, speaking of um, pushing back and the, and the uh, woke left's worst nightmares, Jordan Peterson, the great Canadian uh, psychologist, uh, public intellectual who's really taken the world by storm, has a massive following. He uh, he tweeted a clip of your speech at uh, Family First National Conference last week. Uh, I, I just thought that was terrific, Kiralee, and that's a credit to your content and um, and the, the lovely things he had to say about that. Uh, so how does it feel to be tweeted by Jordan Peterson? Yeah, I think this is the second or third time, actually, Lyle, because <laughs> when we were uh, through the Victorian um, state election, he retweeted some of our stuff. But, yeah, look, really good. And and we all need to remember the one of the things that skyrocketed Jordan Peterson onto the global stage was his refusal to use pronouns uh, or preferred pronouns uh, in this space. And that's exactly what I was talking about, that I am being taken to court for misgendering um, a male soccer, uh, like football player in Australia. And... Um, He's in the the female teams. And so um, I guess it's in one hand, uh, it goes right to the core of what Jordan Peterson is all about. And but so thrilled that he would elevate my case and my platform, um, you know, even further so that uh, this conversation can be had because it is ridiculous. And I think his tweet said something along the lines of, but we, you know, they said this would never happen. That's right. And here we are. Not only is it happening to me, but it's happening to many other people in Australia right now. Yeah, it sure is. Well, look, the, the great thing is that uh, because alternative media platforms like ADH TV, like uh, X, uh, formerly Twitter, and uh, the, the enormous following that people can generate, we can become our own media and get the truth out. They can't stop us anymore, Kiralee. And uh, Correct. Yeah. Correct. Well, Kiralee, thanks again. I really appreciate you joining us uh, this week. So there's always something happening in this space. That's why we get you back week after week. Uh, look forward to chatting again next Friday. Thanks, Lyle. And, uh, you know, big thanks to ADH TV yeah. for uh, live streaming the event and their, their support as well. Here, here.
Well, that's all we have time for this week. Don't forget to make ADHTV your go-to for news and analysis. The Family First website also contains regular political commentary on the issues of the day. You can follow me on X, formerly Twitter, and Family First is on Facebook. Thanks so much for your company. Until next week, keep speaking up.